So in this session we'll talk about consonants. And consonants are the mouth closures that uh, terminate the vowel sound. The vowel sound is open uh, really through the throat and the mouth resonates it. Mouth and head resonate it. The bones resonate it. Consonant sounds are done by the tongue uh, and at the back of the mouth called the glottis and uh, the tongue moving against the glottis or against the palate or against um, the teeth or the lips. So these are the consonant sounds and they terminate a vowel. So a vowel oh, comes to art, at, hit, yeah. uh, and so when that occasion occurs, we have a syllable. So a vowel opens, hits a consonant. That unit is a syllable. So we'll go into that a bit later. Now. The normal, what's called the Roman alphabet, which is the one used in English, has a certain number of consonants. Pali language has many more consonants than that. So these are different ways of making these clipping, cutting uh, sounds. And Pali has a lot more ways of doing that, or explicitly, explicitly set out. Whereas in European languages, most European languages use the Roman alphabet and uh, A, B, C, D, E, and so forth. But even in, in this, with different European languages have different, slightly different letters, like you have a C with a curl underneath it called a cedilla in French. You can have an L with a slash through it, using Polish. Um, you have um, a vowel with a circumflex above it in French. Several kinds of ways that um, the typography of the alphabet, of even the Roman alphabet, is modified country to country. And these squiggles you see on paper don't always allude to the same sound, the difference between the typography and the sound. So, for example, the letter that we would call C can be pronounced as K, S, or CH. So, in English, you have um, circle, those are both C's. In Italian, you might have CHAO, which is C I O. Uh, in French, it's always S. And the, if there is a K sound, a K sound, it's represented by the letter K. And then the letter G can do all kinds of things. GH is very slippery. Um, it can be like, like in Gaelic or in um, Dutch, very back of the back of the mouth, back of the throat sound. And in standard English, it can be um, off. It can be that sound, like a cough, tough, rough. 
it could be silent as in although yeah. uh, so you don't really know what it's going to turn out like just by looking on the page but the thing about the Pali is once you get it you know how it sounds can be exactly conveyed by the typography so once you know how to sound a word then you know how it's spelt and once you see how it's spelt you should know how to sound it so this makes the chanting once you get it becomes pretty ah you have a few goes at it but then you get it because you know how it sounds however because the roman alphabet doesn't convey all the sounds that are made in Pali they've had to try to introduce some other markers to represent some of these sounds and one of the markers is a dot sitting underneath a letter or a dot sitting on top of a letter and also an additional letter the letter H which actually when it's stuck next to another consonant generally but not always just means um, that that consonant is aspirated it's not really a separate consonant so kh is k so we would represent that by kh k but actually the pali it's just one consonant k it's k aspirated okay so let's get into some of this what am i talking about um right we have guttural sounds back of the mouth and the pali consonants when you look in the pali dictionary they move from the back of the mouth k to the aspirated forms when you let a puff of air out k so it's not k k but k k gradually move forward k k g h then the next letter roman letter c is actually j and so in this letter this sound is j the tongue is curled up j to touch the palate j so that's j and then the ch is j j so what happens to make that difference j and j at the end of it you let your tongue slip down j j and keep the breath going that's how you aspirate when you've got the consonant you have a particular lock in your throat or a lock of your tongue against the top of your palate that's the unaspirated and the aspirate is when you release that lock but keep the breath going so it's when you see c it's actually and we see ch and it's quite distinct sound see actually when these words mean different things so chanda is moon chanda is energy so ajahn chanda siri and ajahn chanda palo chanda palo now okay move on so after that sound the j ch we have j which is the tongue comes slightly more forward j so it comes towards the front of the palate j j j so it's softer 
call it softer. This sound, J, represented normally by the Roman letter J, but often in Myanmar, Burma, they have this as the letter Z or Z, so it becomes Jun. So a monk might be called Ujayanta, or Sayadaw Jayanta, Jayanta. It's actually what we would see that, oh, that's Jayanto. So you get J, Jha, and then the next letter is the letter coming forward a little bit more, where you squeeze your tongue against the top of your palate. So it's the end with this squiggle on top called a tilde. And most of us have some familiarity with that because it appears in Spanish. Canyon, manano, yeah, manana, or in or the borrowed canyon, which is now spelled N-Y. So nya. Then we come to the um, next set where you flick your tongue to have that ridge in the front of the palate, at the, at the leading edge of the palate, so the ridge behind your teeth where right, you, the palate begins to climb up into the cavern of the mouth. So you have a flicking sound. So this is called a retroflex. It means the tongue curls back, retroflex. And so you have that, and then you have the aspirated form, now we in English we look at the letter T and depending what word we're using we might use this retroflex T or something like it or we might use a non-retroflex T now if we say something like brittle brittle because the letter L that comes after it is produced by curling the tongue back or because of that, the mouth curls the tongue back to do the T too. So you get the retroflex T brittle. But if you say a word like water, where the vowel uh, is coming forward in the mouth, then it's likely your tongue will come forward with water, water, t, t, where the tongue is slightly flatter on the ridge behind your teeth, water. Well, brittle, 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 you're more likely to go tongue cold back. So if you just exaggerate that a little bit, brittle, you get the sound. And then the t sound, t sound, aspirated. Um, also in English, we have quite a few T sounds, which are really THs. Terra, um, um, you know, let's see, so let me think an English word with a th. A t pronounces t as aspirated t. Water, uh, water. There's one. Water. I want a cup of water. Ter. The aspirate is is not that strong. In Pali, it's a little stronger. Ter. Okay, you have a D. The D is slightly softer than the T because the tongue has moved a little, little bit from down the ridge behind your teeth. The, the, 
to almost sitting right behind your teeth, at the base of your teeth. So it's a kind of difference between uh, you know a, a drum stick and a drum with a kind of cotton ball on the end of it. <laughs> the tick is the drum stick, tap 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 tap, and then the, you have a stick with a ball on it, boom boom boom. You've got someone like a D sound, do do do, so dollar do 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 do. Um, so we have retroflex T, retroflex TH, retroflex D, and then T, the ordinary letter T, D, and then the retroflex T, and then the ordinary letter D, and then the DH, which is the, the. It's almost the same as close to the, to the sound we use for father, father, father. Yeah. And interesting enough, you might say in some argot, in some slang words, you say, hey, what's your father? What's your father? Your father, think about that then. Think about that then. You know, these sounds kind of slide. American English will tend to use a D sound, where British would use a T sound, like water. You want a water? Water? A cup of water? So that's closer to the D sound than the British, which is water, which is slightly more retroflex. Then they have the N. Then we get the lip sounds. And we have what are called the plosives, because it's a kind of exploding sound. So for this, you pull your lips together. And then the pH, you do that same thing, but again, slightly release, release the lips and keep the breath going. Puh, 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 puh. And then BH, buh, which the lips are softer, not so tightly compressed, buh. And then we have M, M where the lips are momentarily squeezed together. And then we get other consonants which are made purely by the lips. Y, lips and cheeks, R, which is a lip sound, which is the lips have to move to do that, R. L, which you do the same thing with your lips, but draw your tongue back, L, R, L. And in some countries, they find difficulty differentiating between R and L, like in Chinese languages, uh, or I think Japanese, Thai also. R. Uh, depends how much you pull your tongue back. R, R, L, R, L, R, L. So practice it, notice what's happening. How your cheeks, your mouth is shaping itself. R, L. And then it's what the tongue does, differentiate between the r and the l. And then we have the sound, the v sound, v, v. Now, Pali doesn't have an f. It doesn't have a w. So if we start with an f, which is quite a firm teeth on the lip. Right, F, 
and now you lessen the pressure on your lip and you push your lip slightly forward and then you don't touch your lips with your teeth so Pali doesn't have w, it doesn't have f, but it has somewhere between v. <laughs> now English has all those f, v, w, but w is hardly a consonant even because you know the lips don't really close w. So when we see the letter letter V, for us it's fairly straightforward because V, V, oh yeah, V, we know what that shape means. But in Thai you don't have that sound, doesn't appear in Thai. You don't have a V sound, you have an F sound, Fa, and you have a W sound, what, Fa, what. Look after the monastery, cover, Fa can mean cover, it can mean sky, Fa, what look after the monastery, cover the monastery, far what? But you don't have a v. So what happens is that um, the Thais will tend to pronounce what we would see as a v, as a w, like wesak. The Pali would have it as vesak, vesak. Slightly soft, very soft, soft v, vesak. Ajahn vajiro. Now the Thais would call him Ajahn vajiro. Um, and so on. So, and then when we come to the Pali language, Svakato, the Thais would have that as Svakato. Now you see what has to happen. Sva, Swa, there's a sort of Swa. S is the next one. S, S, so S, mouth comes forward, S, and you curl, do something with your tongue. And the last one is just breath, huh, H sound. Now, if you have, say, the sound S, 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 and then you try to make a V, right? Sv, Sv. It's not that difficult because you're almost there. Sv, you just have to slightly touch your teeth with your lips. But to go from S to W, it's going the opposite direction. Right? Lips are opening rather than closing. So, okay, S, V, SV. The lips come forward and then touch the teeth to make that V sound. Now, if you don't have that V sound, you have a W sound. So then the lips have got to do the opposite, which is come apart. So, so you almost automatically get a vowel slides in there. So, 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 so this means when you get svakato, it becomes sawakato. Yeah, sawakato. If you're using the Thai way of making sounds, which of course. Our sangha is sort of got a lot of Thai basis in it, and so because we can't do all the Thai tones, but some of these Thai 
intonations uh, have sort of become established for some people. Um, and so it's kind of difficult when you look at the text and you see zvakato, which is z, not just the sound, but the brevity of it, zv, and then other people are going sva, sva, sva. So, you know, it's trying to acknowledge some of these things that can affect our chanting. And I generally, you know, try to myself, you know, accommodate where I am actually. But if I'm leading it, then I would move towards the Pali because for many reasons you can't do Thai. The, the tonal system, the high tones, the low tones, the rising tones, and the particular ways in which vowels and consonants moderate each other, you can't get that down simply on paper. We don't know it. Thai is a completely different language family. You've got Indo-European, which covers, uh, well, modern Indian, Pali, Sanskrit, Persian, French, German, um, Italian, English. Um, you know, it covers a whole that kind of range. You've got then you've got Chinese-based languages, Chinese, Thai, Lao, so forth, uh, and then you've got obviously you've got Semitic languages, which is Arabic and so forth. So these are different families. They, People use their mouths in, in different ways to make these sounds. So although our languages in Europe are different, you'll notice also that different Europeans will use their mouths differently. So for Dutch people, ch is not unusual. A lot of Dutch words have got a ch in them. Where for English speaker, that's an unusual sound. So first, we don't say that easily. Chene, chedemone. You know, so we might find it in Gaelic where you've got lock. Lock. You find that in Scotland, Ireland. You have the ch sound, which is way back in the throat, kind of that sound. And so Dutch would use that a lot. English doesn't use it. Gaelic does. So, you know, these are different sounds that humans learn to make. And once you get used to them, they're very familiar. You know, like in, in Zulu, you've got five cluck sounds. You know, like <coughs> sounds, which they just throw into a sentence and it, to us it's, what's that, you know? But to them it's completely normal to have five click sounds. One with the, one with the back of the throat, one with the cheek, and a few more. Anyway. So we've talked about aspirates, which are consonants followed by a, when you, you release the tongue or the throat and let the air come through, or the lips and let the air come pushing through. K, g, g, um, t, t, and then the, 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 the. Now, this the, the is significant because this is where we get the Buddha, the Buddha, the Buddha. If you go to uh, Sri Lanka or Sri Lankan monastery, they talk about, oh, the Lord Buddha, the Lord Buddha. Whereas you might say, in each other, the Buddha. <laughs> you know, yeah, Buddhism is great. No, it's not Buddhism, it's Buddha, Buddha. 
So we try to capture some of that, but at least make sure that there is the aspirin with the. So when we look at the written stuff, the typography, it's not immediately apparent what sound those little squiggles are trying to do. But we have to really work on it so that we understand that j and ch and um, d and d and the retroflex is t and t. Um, so really the retroflex t's are the ones to to make something out of if you want to make anything out of anything. But also there are some times when you get an H standing when it's not a part of the preceding letter. So we might say BH is really one letter, the letter B, the letter B. But to try to represent that sound, B, they write two letters, B, B and H, B. So that's the same case for KH. That's really just one consonant in Pali, K. But when you see the letter VH, that's two consonants. So it doesn't go VH, it doesn't go V, like tongue, for example, JIVHA, JIVHA. It's not JIVA, it's not JIVA, but JIVHA. The H stands alone. It's not an aspirated form of the previous consonant. So that changes the way you make the sound. It also has a significant effect in terms of what we call the two-consonant rule, which has an effect on the weight of the syllables. So the syllable is where a vowel sound is produced and then terminated. It's terminated by another consonant. Occasionally, a long vowel will just, you know, if it's chanted, will sort of just terminate by itself or slide into the next, next vowel, like kamasava. It's kind of kamasava. They slide into each other. Kamasava, kamasava, vijasava. So anyway, syllables. And the other thing that ends a syllable is something called the nigahita. Nigahita is represented by an M with a dot, either on top of it or underneath it. And so actually it's not really a consonant at all. It does a consonant's job. What it represents is the nasalization of the previous vowel. So nasalization, you close your throat with the back of your tongue, so that the sound comes down your nose. <laughs> so we say budhang, hang, so that uh, starts happening. The, uh, uh, but instead of coming out through the mouth, uh, uh, you push your tongue to the back of your mouth, the back of your tongue to the back of your mouth, and you get the nasalizing effect. Budhang, budhang, sanghang. So that also terminates a syllable. Just look at that. Remember, it's not the letter M. In some of the old texts, they used to pronounce write as NG. Or some early Pali dictionaries, they have as an N with the, the leading 
downstroke of the end curling back, almost like a G. Mm. So it can be represented in different ways. It's the mm, nasalization of the preceding consonant. And the preceding consonants are generally there's an ung, an ing, that's a short i, ing, ang, I think there's an ung as well. But anyway, you'll, you'll find that out. Now, as I've mentioned, what I call the two consonant rule, this is because in Pali, every consonant, every vowel is pronounced. So they all count. Whereas if we use English, we often have silent, something written on the page doesn't make any sound, such as when we say although. There's no indication of a G there. It's just the O. So the GH disappears. It's not, it's not sounded. And this is one simple example of what is quite common in English and in French too. Often in French, a terminal T will not be pronounced. You know, escargot, snail. It's got a T on the end of it, but that T is not pronounced. And I, I don't know why. There is a way of knowing why, but not important to go into it. The important thing is to recognize every consonant, every vowel on Pali is pronounced. So that means when we have two consonants, each consonant is pronounced. So if you have two ends, it's n, n, if you like n, 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 n. Or if you have d, d, h, you have d, d. Now it doesn't quite sound like that, but what it does is it means there's a lingering on that consonant cluster. So for example, if we have dhamma, say so the two M's there, you could say that's dhamma, dhamma. Dhamma. But when you chant it, it comes out as Dhamma. So what you do to to get those two consonant sounds equally laid in is you, you linger on the sound. So in a way, it duplicates it. Dhamma. So if we have a, something like Panya, that's Panya. So you get a weight to it. It's called a weighty syllable or Garu. Panya. Rakka. Now, if there was just a single N, it would be Pana, and a Panasati. Right? Because it's a double N, it's N. Right? There's a weight there. Once you understand that, you know how to pronounce these words. In English, we don't differentiate between there being two consonants or one consonant. So you have something like Banner which is two ends, banner, as in a flag, banner, and banana. No, the end sound is exactly the same. Two ends, one end, same. But in Pali, that would be banner. The Pali web of saying those words would be banner. Banner and banana. Banana. Short A, banana. Banner, banner, and banana. So these, these single consonants give a, a lighter effect called a lahu effect. Light lahu. Garu weighty. And this gives Pali its particular rhythm because it's rocking between the short and the long. Utyupatipanno, panno, panno, 
see the lingering effect, the weight. What the voice is doing, that lingering, gives it a certain spring, because it's as if the voice lingers on that, and it can lift, as if it's like, you know, the, the sound sits down, and it's got a foothold, and it springs up into the next open sound. Panno. You've gathered in no. Supati panno. Dhamma. Dhamma. So to recognize those double consonants. This is why it's important to recognize when you have KH, that's a single consonant. Right? If that word appears with a vowel before and after it, it's a light sound. It's a lahu, because it's actually only one consonant. But if you have KKH, say Dhammarako, Dhammarako, the guardian of Dhamma, Dhammarako. And we had a Ajahn here called Ajahn Dhammarako, Dhammarako. Though he probably pronounced his name as Dhammarako, not being fluent or really looking into the sound of these things. Anglicised it. That's a very different sound, is it? Dhammarako from Damaraco, where in English there's no real clear distinction between weighty syllables and light syllables. What we do instead is we tend to uh, stress a particular syllable. Often in British English it's the first syllable, Damaraco, and the rest of it kind of runs along behind it. And often by the time you get to the end of the word, it's running so fast it almost melts away. You know, transubstantiation. It's running so fast that the the shame shun sort of shoots off. Whereas if we were to say something like level syllably transubstantiation, transubstantiation, whereas a Briton would say transubstantiation, transubstantiation. And if you're going fast. You're having a quick conversation, yeah. conversation, so that versation becomes slurred into versation, versation, goes very quickly. But in Pali, if you pronounce that in Pali, you have conversation, conversation, <laughs> conversation. So every letter counts. When you have uh, two consonant sounds together, that makes the preceding syllable weighty. Um, so there's a lingering effect. If it's not weighty, it's light, which means it trots, it skips. This is slightly different from what we would call short and long vowels. So a short vowel is er, and a long vowel is r. Now, if you have a short vowel, but it's followed by two consonants, you get a weighty syllable, ruk, ruk. And the weighty syllable generally takes about twice as long to, to pronounce as a short syllable. So even though the vowel is short, the syllable is weighty, which means it's generally about twice as long as a short syllable. So sometimes there's a confusion between a, a short vowel and a short syllable.
Now, a short syllable would always have a short vowel with it, but only one consonant. So, it's a simple word. Let's think of a quick word. Mm. Sati, mindfulness. Sati, sati, sati. Those are two light syllables. It trots along. Sati patana. Sati patana. And in the first garu is the put. Put. And in the second is ana. Sati patana. Sati patana. So it's got a particular trotting rhythm. So the two garus. But actually the, the A in sati is short and the A in patana is short. The first A is short. Sati put. Sati put. But sati put. But the garu syllable lingering on the two T's, retroflex T's, means you get a longer syllable. Sati patana. Sati patana. So that gives it its particular bounce, you might say. Now, English person will probably talk about, you know, the four sati patanas, which, yeah, okay, we understand that. Uh, uh, but um, if you're chanting it, it's sati patana, sati patana. Because in chanting, it's the rhythm, the sounding, the flow, that are the significant features. Uh, of making those those sounds. So let's go back again. You have once you figure it out, you just detect what your mouth is doing to make these sounds back there in the gullet, in the glottis, and then and then release that back of your tongue, and then jerk slightly forward from that. And then jerk slightly more forward. Your tongue is is towards the roof of your mouth. And then it's the Pali consonants. <laughs> Said English speakers, readers, look at the text, have problems. This is why I think it's always good to look at it fairly sketchy and then try to translate it rather into what the word means in English, translate it into what the word sounds like. So before learning the English, Buddha Sasuddha Karuna Mahanavo Buddha Sasuddha Karuna Mahanavo You know, you get, you get that lovely rocking on sound which keeps the voice moving along nicely and you end up getting a harmonious flow and then you can look at what the words mean afterwards. Okay, so Buddha Buddhang, Uttho, Tammo, Tammo. Pali has both P's and B's. They have Putto, Putto, which are something like um, dirt or dust. 
and we have also the letter B. So there's slight differences between P and B, slightly rounder quality to it. So you have the P, P, aspirated P, non-aspirated P, non-aspirated B, and aspirated B. So these are the labial explosive sounds. Slightly another topic is, again, the tide wave making this is they tend to make the D's into a T. They draw the tongue back. So there's some like what we would call venerable Tiraboldi in Thai would be called Tiraboldi. In the Thai Tiradamo, one of Ajans, is actually probably Tiradamo. Tiradamo. The Thais would talk about the Tamma, where we would say Dhamma. They would talk about the Putta. The B is made into a P. Putto. Puddhism. Puddhism. But it's not an aspirated P. It's more like the crisper. And ties, you do have, they're good on this one. They've got P, B, and P, B. Which all means slightly different things. So, but the Pali letter, which we see as P, is not P, it's P. So, Bud is a Pud, Bud, rather than Pud. It's more like Pud. Buddha, Susutta, Karuna, Mahanavo. So, um, it's trying to work with these things. So I'll stop there for today and uh, we'll try to simulate some of these rather perhaps dry pieces of mouth exercise into something more fluid later on. <laughs>